What's going on, Duff Daddies and Duff Mamas? Brendan Monroe here from DuffinUp.com and welcoming you to another episode of the Duffin Up Podcast. And what an episode we have for you today. We'll be previewing the BMW Championship, going over some DraftKings picks for this upcoming weekend, and also talking a little bit PGA Tour Champions Golf with my boy Phil, as well as reviewing some amateur golf over the weekend. But first things off, let's do a quick preview of the BMW Championship. We're going out to Chicago, Illinois to the Olympia Fields North Course. Unbelievable golf course founded in 1915, one of the oldest and most prestigious courses in the Midwest. What we can tell tell you about this weekend is it is going to be a 7,323-yard par 70. Now that is crazy long just to take a gander at the tpc boston which was played last week it was a 7260 yard par 71 so you're already getting close to 80 yards more and you're dropping down a complete hold apart this is insane this course is going to be crazy long the first hole coming straight out of it is a 626 yard par 5 I don't know about the rest of you, but I could barely make that in three. I maybe get a 250-yarder out there as a drive, you know, 230, 240 with my my three-wood, and then I still have, you know, close to 200 yards left. Absolutely insane hole to start on, but you know that's going to definitely be an advantage to the Bombers out there. Uh, Two of the... Par threes will be over 215 yards as well. Not 250. That'd be insane. 215 yard par threes. That's quite long as well. That'll most likely be, you know, anywhere from a five iron, maybe a six iron if, you know, you're DJ. But most of the time it's going to be a five iron or four iron for these guys going in there. So not much spin. They're very fast greens. They're smaller greens as well. And a lot of people are saying that this could be kind of like a U.S. Open setup where it's very long rough. There's narrow fairways. The greens are going to be lightning quick. So I don't know if we're going to see another 30 under par like Dustin Johnson. Or we may not even see another, you know, 20 under par like we have so much this year. And, you know, I'm saying this now on the podcast. But, you know, when that time comes around, all of a sudden the first day someone's going to go. 11 under, shoot a 59, another Scotty Scheffler, it'll be absolutely unbelievable, and then, you know, second place will be there in 9 under, and I'll just be sitting here being like, why did I talk about this on the podcast, but you never know, I think this week we may see lower scoring, uh, when Jim Furyk won here in 2003 US Open, he only shot 8 under, and that's considered high in the US Open, but I think we could probably see that again, probably around 10 to 15 under who will win this tournament. And we're seeing a lot of golf experts saying that this might be a bomber's paradise this week. I actually disagree with that statement. The most important reason is the fairways are a little bit narrower. The greens are much more protected than they were at TPC Boston. And overall, with the rough being hopefully longer, I think that this is going to have to be a place where you really have to pick your shots. Think about about Bryson DeChambeau won in 2015. He was... Not what he is now. He was a pinpoint guy. He was one of those plotters out there. He could still hit the ball a mile. Still hit it out 300, 310. But he chose every single shot that he wanted to hit. And it was unbelievable. You know, he won 7-6 and 
over Derek Barden, that 2015 U.S. Amateur. And I think you got to go that way coming coming for this tournament as well. Uh, one of my big picks was actually going to be Webb Simpson before he just decided that uh, he didn't want to play this week because he's already got so many FedEx Cup points that he's still in contention for next week. So he's just going to skip this tournament and concentrate on the Tour Championship. I thought this course would have been perfect for him because he's that kind of mind. He knows he has to plot around the golf course. He has to pick the correct uh, shot that he wants to hit at that time, and he has to execute. So far this year, he's been doing that to perfection. So overall, I I do think that while you are going to need to have a couple of those big drives in the par fives, if you want to reach them in two, that's a big if. You might just want to go there in three and, and try and lay up and get a close for a birdie. Um, I do think that overall, you know, this is going to be a very strategic course, which brings us to my favorite part of the show, the DraftKings pick for this upcoming week. We're not going to talk about last week because last week we were horrible. If you listen to the Monday podcast, oh boy, what a, what a terrible, terrible weekend we had. Only two of our players, Justin Rose and Paul Casey made the cut. The rest of them didn't even make the cut. We finish out the top 100,000, so we're just going to forget that. We're going to act like it never happened, and this weekend is going to be our weekend. So the way I usually do this, and if you ever read the blog, I break it down into three areas to start. I have a top player to avoid. I have a player who will blow your cap, but it's probably worth it. And then I have, finally, my value picks, or lower uh, salary guys who I still think could do very well in the tournament. So to start off, um, we're going to go ahead and pick our top player to avoid is Dustin Johnson because, boy, oh, boy, is it tough to win back-to-back on the PGA Tour. I do think he will still have a pretty decent tournament, but I just don't think at 11500 with a $50,000 cap total, it's just not worth it putting him in there. You know, you, you got to have other places where, you know, you might be able to see a much better rate of return on your cap. A uh, player who will blow your cap, but is worth it. I put Bryson DeChambeau in here uh, just to talk to everyone. I originally had Webb Simpson in here because he was at $10,100. I thought this would have been a perfect golf course for him. But of course, as I mentioned earlier, he decided to pull out. So we're going with Bryson DeChambeau with this for $10,600. And the main reason is that Bryson's done something on this course that nobody else in the field has. And that's win a tournament on it. One 2015 U.S. Amateur here, as I mentioned earlier, 7-6 and six over Derek Bard. Um, you know, he wasn't the big man on campus back then. He wasn't driving 370-yard drives. Um, so, you know, that may help out his game this week. That, you know, he can hit the ball that far, but he's just got to be straight, and he's got to hit the fairways. He wasn't able to do that last weekend. So let's see if he can do it this weekend. I think he's got a shot because he knows the course very well. Uh, some of my two best value picks that I have, um, one is Ryan Palmer at 7,600. Ryan Palmer's been great since missing those back-to-back cuts at the Travelers and the Workday Championship. Um, he's made every cut, and he has two top tens, and I could really see him continuing that trend. My second guy that I picked for a great value pick is Taylor Gooch at 6,600. He had a rough start to co- to the COVID return, missing the three out of the first four cuts, you know, not great, including two straight. Um, but his past four tournaments, he has three make cuts and two top 20s. And at 6,600, that could be a great pick 
for you if you're going with one of the higher-end guys or if you're going with two or three of the mid-tier guys. He'll be able to kind of pick up that slack towards the end. Now, finally, we're going to go with my picks. My picks include Xander Schauffele at 9,900, Daniel Berger, 9,700, Kevin Kisner, still ain't no hobby. This golf game, this ain't no hobby for Kevin Kisner at 8,400, Harris English at 8,300, Lanto Griffin at 6,900, and Taylor Gage at 6,600. Again, I originally had uh, Webb Simpson in here, but because he decided to go ahead and withdraw from the tournament, I had to kind of reshuffle at the last second. My biggest thing in here is Xander Shoffley because he was my pick instead of Webb Simpson, and I think that he's due. He's been playing very well this year. You guys all know how well he played last year, finishing the top 10 in pretty much every major. Um, I think that this could be one of those tournaments where he just turns it on and it could fit his game a little bit more because he is kind of that mechanical guy in the back. He still got he still can hit the ball pretty far, but he's always thinking about those shots and he's very, very good at planning out golf shots on the course. So I think this could work perfectly for him. Daniel Berger at 9,700. What can I say? Seven top tens this year. Um, has been on fire since the COVID return. He's been a monster. An absolute monster. I would put him in every week if I could, but most of the time, he's just too darn expensive. But this week, I got him. Kevin Kisner at 8,400. Back-to-back top three finishes. Back-to-back top three finishes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable for a guy like Kevin Kisner who you wouldn't expect that to happen to. You know, there's a joke... Uh, from foreplay and from Barstool that he's T20 kids. He's always there tied for 20th or he misses the cut. And, you know, he showed us over the past couple of weeks that he can he can hang with the big boys. And I think that's great for him. Harris English at 8,300. Six top tens this year. Playing really well over the last two weeks. And I could see him keep going with it. Lanto Griffin, he had some pretty good shots last week. At one point, I think he was in the top 10. He actually fell down to, I believe, around 30s or 40s. So he's kind of up there. He's had a really, really good year. At one point, he was, I believe, 8th in the FedEx Cup rankings. And he didn't even win this year. He was just kind of on fire. Had a lot of great top 10s at the beginning of the year. He had two or three. Top, he had two top 10s at the beginning of the year. And he just kept making cuts. So I think he's one of those guys that can continue to show that, he, that this is his breakout year. And finally, got to get my got to get one of my picks in here, and it's Taylor Gooch at sixty six hundred for the last. Um, I think he is due. I think he could you know play really well this week. I think after last two weeks, you know he's been up there a little bit here and there, um, but I think this is the week that he could close it out and hopefully get another top ten under his belt. Oh, and by the way, DraftKings, if you're listening to this and want to sponsor the program, please reach out to me. I would love to have you as a sponsor. Next up on the list, we have PGA Tour Champions event, which actually started on a Monday this week. Crazy stuff. I had never heard of this. Usually it starts on a Friday, but a really, really cool event um, down in Missouri. And guess who's leading it? The man himself, Phil Mickelson. First round, 10 under. Second round, seven under. 19 birdies and two bogeys in the first two days. He's up by four shots over a couple of pretty decent former PGA guys. Rob Pampling at 13 under and 
uh, Petrovic at 13 under as well with Rocco Mediate at 12 under. You know, these were guys that were competitive on the PGA for a while. But it also shows here that Phil is just too good for the PGA Tour champions right now. He's just too good. That's no offense to the guys like Scotty Cameron, Bernard Longer, Kyle Montgomery, Ernie Els, any of those guys, because they're unbelievable players as well. They're unbelievable players. They had their day on the PGA Tour. Uh, Bernard Langer won a ton of tournaments on the PGA Tour, and he's won a ton of tournaments on the Champions Tour as well. Ernie Els has won a, has won a ton of tournaments on the PGA Tour and just won his first Champions Tour event this year. But Phil is in really good shape. He can still hit bombs, hits absolute bombs like the young guys. Can still make it out there with a lot of these 20-year-olds. He's still got that magic touch with those wedges. Just things of beauty. Watching him hit a wedge. Getting it so close, that spin rate. It's an unbelievable thing to watch Phil Mickelson hit those wedges. And, you know, I think it's great that he did this this week. I think now he knows that... You know, when he decides to finally hang it up on the PGA Tour and, you know, how many ever years, even though a lot of the Champion Store guys come back for big tournaments. I saw Ernie Els down in Hilton Head this year for the RBC Heritage. I know Bernard Longer was there as well. So it's unbelievable to see them go back and forth. But Phil can still compete week in, week out on the PGA Tour. So it was really cool to see him on the Champion Store this week. I hope he can close it out tomorrow. But I cannot wait for him to get back for the U.S. Open. And finally, we look to the amateur side of golf. And in an unbelievable story, we will be talking about Eldrick Woods' son, Charlie Woods. Now, most of the time you don't get that excited for an 11-year-old if they win a PGA Junior Tour event. But he has not only won once, he has won twice. And he is 11 years old. He has won two straight weeks, one under this weekend, and three under the previous weekend. Now, there are only nine holes, which is cool, uh, especially for, you know, ages 10 to 11. You should probably be only really playing nine holes competitively at that point. But he shot one under on nine holes. And the weekend before, he shot three under. And at one point, he was three under through seven holes this past weekend. That's an unbelievable stat for an 11-year-old. Are you kidding me? I'll never shoot one under or three under on any, you know, nine hole course unless I'm playing a straight par three course. And probably not even then because I've known to get some bogeys. But overall, it's an unbelievable thing that Tiger has passed down the game of golf to his son. I think it's so cool that he loves it as much as his dad. And I just remember seeing that picture in 2019 of Tiger running up. Uh, after the 18th hole at the Masters and Charlie running into his arms and him giving him a big hug and, you know, Tiger's daughter and Tiger's fiance coming right behind him as well. But being able to share that with your son is an unbelievable thing. I know my dad taught me the game and I know that my mom's dad taught her the game and my grandpa helped teach me the game as well. So keeping it in the family, seeing that your son maybe the next prodigy he may be you know off to stanford at age 18 like his dad was he may be competing in the u.s amateur over the next couple years you know when he finally turns 18 and who knows he might even get on you know a corn ferry tour event or a pga tour event before we know it wouldn't it be so cool if tiger and charlie are in the same group on a thursday and friday event that'd be unbelievable 
I can't wait for that. I hope it happens. I don't know if it will happen, but it, it's really cool to think about. So that will conclude another episode of the Duffin' Up podcast. I just wanted to say to everyone, thank you so much for listening. We are hoping to get some fan questions in for the next podcast, which will be next Monday. Um, so if you have any questions at all, send them over via social media to either Facebook, Duffin' Up Blog, Twitter at Duffin' Up Blog, Instagram at Duffin' Up Blog if you want to send a direct message. Um, and we really do appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. And hopefully you also make it over to DuffinUp.com during the week. We have some pretty good blogs up there during the week. And we'll be definitely a lot more active on social media during the tournaments as well. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And go on out there and Duff it up. <laughs>